0: Welcome to A Public Affair here on KGNU Community Radio. I'm your host, Shannon Young. We have a special program lined up for you today as part of our years-long zero-waste reporting efforts, which have been made possible by a grant from Boulder County's Zero Waste Funding Program. Today, we will be focusing on the issue of compost and big changes to composting rules that will be coming into effect this Saturday, April 1st. We'll be taking questions from the audience. If you'd like to get into the phone queue, the number is 303 442 4242. I'll also be taking questions online at djkgnu.org. But first, I want to go around the in person and vir- virtual table so that our panel of experts may introduce themselves and tell listeners about their relation to composting in this region. I'm going to start off with the studio guest right here. I have Van Fussell. Tell tell us about yourself and what you do.
1: Yeah, good morning. Uh, thank you, Shannon, again for having all of us on. Um, it feels great to be in the studio. My name is Van Fussell with Compost Colorado, um, and we collect compost from from Parker through through Broomfield, and we make soil out of it. And we also work closely with A One Organics on the soil. Um, and compost manufacturing side of things and with a variety of other partners. Um, I serve on the Denver Sustainability Advisory Council, on the board of Denver Food Rescue, and um, I'm on the Waste No More Task Force. Um, And so, um, yeah, happy to be on and and talk more about, about this issue today.
0: Great. And of course, we cannot talk about composting in the Front Range without talking to A1 Organics. I'm joined by Clinton Sander. Good morning and tell us about your work.
2: Yeah, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me on today. Yeah, my name is Clinton Sander. I work for A1 Organics. We are the largest commercial compost manufacturer in the state of Colorado, you know, processing over 500,000 tons of organic material annually. And um, I've been kind of the the lead for the company on kind of going after this challenges that we've been facing in the stream with contamination. and. Um, Yeah, um, I'm very involved in a lot of different things in the composting world, but I'm excited to to be on this platform and communicate and talk to everybody and answer some questions.
0: Great. Well, thank you for making the time. Kathy Carroll is also here with us, Western Disposal Services. She's with Western Disposal. So the compost that you put out onto the curbside is usually handled first by Western Disposal before it goes to A1. Kathy, tell us more.
3: Yeah, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Kathy Carroll, uh, Community Relations Manager for Western Disposal and Western uh, Holes material from curbside um, around Boulder and Broomfield counties. And uh, with respect to organics, we collect it at the curb and we bring it to our transfer station and where we um, aggregate it and we haul it out to A1. So our place in the ecosystem is to collect it. And at this point in time, try to help folks understand what they need to do to clean up the material. And then when we get it here, we also uh, take another good look at it, trying to make sure that we get it out to AWARM so that it's in, in good condition. So that's really where we are right now is uh, trying to educate everyone about what's allowable and um, helping to understand what we're still getting in the stream that we need to get out of there.
0: Thank you. And our fourth guest today is Dan Mesh of EcoCycle. Good morning tell us about how your work plugs into the compost stream.
4: Good morning, I'm Dan Mach. I'm the director of the compost department at EcoCycle. Um, And we also do commercial food waste collection. Um, But I think our larger role is that uh, as part of our uh, zero waste focus that we've had for the last 20 years, uh, we are, engaged in, in how do we, um, you know, how do we, how do we divert as much organic material as being 40% or so of our waste stream? Uh, How do we make the best use of that, uh, that material, uh, especially to make compost? And, um, and how do we do that both locally and at a state level?
0: Great. So those are our four guests this morning. And of course, you can join us by phone, 303-442-4242. If you have a question for any one of our panel of experts, uh, you can also send me an email at dj at kgnu.org. But first, I'm going to start off with some questions of my own. Let's start with the big changes to curbside composting that are due to take effect. A1 Organics has announced that as of this Saturday, April 1st, they will only accept certain types of compostable materials. And we'll have to reject others. Clinton Sander of A1 Organics, can you explain the new guidelines to our audience, please?
2: Sure. Yeah, so it, it's specific to the streams that are being collected by our two partners here and the other many callers up and down the Colorado range. But we, we are limiting it to food trimming, or I'm sorry, food scraps and yard trimmings, plant trimmings. So, so any type of organic material that you know, is, is a traditional, something that you would eat, something that you would grow in your yard, um, something you would have in your garden. Those organic materials. The materials that we're asking to keep out are the non, what we call more non-traditional organics. So like paper towels, uh, pizza boxes, compostable materials like food serviceware and packaging. Um, we, we've, we've limited the stream down to these very specific items, because that's the volume of the organics that we're trying to divert. Those are the ones that are truly bringing a lot of benefit to the composting process, to that finished compost. And um, we just have a serious uh, challenge with contamination, and we want to reset the stream. We want to get it and simplify it so that we can get everybody back on the same page, make sure that we can truly make a wonderful finished compost that Dan says, brings a lot of amazing benefit back to Colorado schools.
0: I have a follow-up question to that that I suspect many others may be grappling with as well. Many people put their food waste into compostable bags. Now, in trying to navigate what is and is not permissible at this moment, I, I read that some compostable bags are okay, but others are not, and there needs to be a certain certification Can you clear that up for me?
2: Yeah. And and we truly understand that this is a, a challenging, it's challenging to try to determine which ones that we are asking you to use. We're doing our best by, by um, putting this information on our website and also sharing it out with all of our partners so that they can communicate it forward. But we're asking for CMA approved compostable bags. There is a lot of vendors out there and a lot of manufacturers that are already making these bags under that approval, under that certification, and, and they are also labeled BPI certified as well. Um, but we want the CMA as well because it's, it's, it carries a secondary level of testing that is field disintegration testing so that we really truly know that they're breaking down at our facility in, at A1 Organics. And, you know, BioBag, EcoSafe, those are two very large vendors that are currently making them. And we're also adding to the list actively. Um, we've had a lot of residents reach out to me and our company saying, hey, are these approved, these approved, are these the right ones? Which is fantastic. It's, it's amazing the community is reaching out and double checking. And I, I really appreciate that. And, and we're adding that to the list. Um, but uh, we ask for a three-gallon or smaller CMA approved compostable peg. and you're going to have to build identify that through the the vendors, the, uh, the the brand, and um and yeah, so that that's exactly where we're at right now. So I I recommend just you know keep reaching out, keep asking questions. We'll keep adding to the list at this moment, um, but that's that's how we're we're working through that challenge right now. I
0: want to bring Kathy Carroll into this discussion. As the community relations manager for Western Disposal Services, how are you communicating this change to clients and, and some of the finer points, like, for example, the the CMA certification and, you know, the three-gallon or smaller, th- those kind of smaller details, as well as the big picture
3: of, you know, don't, don't put your pizza boxes in the compost anymore. Right. Um, well, first of all, I I really want to give a shout out to EcoCycle. Who has been um, helpful, really, in, commun- in uh, coordinating, in kind of distilling the message down, and then sharing it with not just us but all the other callers that are working within this ecosystem, so that the so that the message is consistent, so all of us are are, I think, by and large, using the same messaging, um, so that keeps it really clear because this is it can get confusing really fast. Um, so in terms of tactics, we, uh, we use email, we have most of our customers are connected to us uh, via email, we um, have it on our website. On the commercial side, we've sent out letters to our commercial customers. We have a team of seven customer service representatives who field calls, and then uh, we have uh, field representatives who work with the commercial side of our business. We are updating signage, um, uh, carts and containers. Um, that's, that's, a, um, that's a long-term uh, challenge because we've got more than 100,000 carts and containers out on the, on, on the street. So kind of pulling that into line uh, is gonna be more of a long-term thing. But yeah, we are um, uh, using communication, social media, those types of things to get the, to get the message out. But I think it's really important to um, uh, connect with what Clinton is saying is, you know, all the all this confusion around what's CMA and what is and isn't compostable. And, you know, I mean, I part of my job is to go out and present to people. And and a lot of the questions were like, oh, my goodness, how do I tell? And there was wasn't. And I think is a lot of what you could categorize as greenwashing out there you know, calling something green leaf or, you know, something like that. And then there's just a presumption that, oh, that looks like it's compostable. So there's so those types of decisions, except for the bags, which Clinton has talked about, he's addressed, it's out of the picture. You don't have to examine your fork or, you know, kind of turn your cup around seven different ways trying to figure out if it's compostable. It's no longer allowed in the compost stream at this point and um so that has really made it very easy uh food food uh scraps and yard waste and that's it
0: i have van fussel here in the studio with me also taking calls uh you your area in- includes broomfield you've you mentioned you work in denver as well denver is fairly new to the whole concept of curbside composting have you do you see this as kind of a you're finally able to make a step forward, and now you're having to take a step back. How are you working with uh, navigating this as Denver is launching its own curbside composting?
1: um uh yes, yeah. so it's it's a really interesting time in our industry, and i I think you know uh, all of us um on this on this call have been working really closely together um because of just how uh, pivotal of the moment this is in the in the composting industry. Um, a lot has been changing with uh, the culture and with policy in terms of composting and the importance of organics ma- waste management. Um, you know, composting is one of the most easy and effective ways to fight climate change, and so many people are are getting excited and they want to start composting. Um, but um you know, like you mentioned, there's kind of this like, oh, we might need to take a step back and and cool our jets a little bit. Um, they're, um, you know, at A1 Organics, of course, where most of the, uh, the largest compost, uh, manufacturer in the state, um, uh, they're being overwhelmed by a lot of low grade compost, um, from, um, from households and businesses, um, across, across the front range. And, um, Ultimately, this this reset right now is it's really important um and to do it to do is to start right now on this on this new wave of of composting um enthusiasm to start right and to to set a good step forward. So this reset is really gonna be great for for not just Boulder, but also Denver as they roll out Expanded Waste Services, which is the policy they passed through city council last year in the summer. And expanded waste services makes uh, composting carts available to all single-family households, similar to how Western Disposal provides residential curbside here in Boulder. What Denver also passed last year, which is posing a perhaps even larger obstacle to um, the composting and um, uh, recycling um, industry as a whole, is the Waste No More policy, which was passed by um, a ballot initiative in November, which makes composting recycling uh, mandatory for all businesses, apartment complexes. Essentially, the other eighty percent of the waste stream, where uh, residents, um, single family households, leave off. And so, um, you know, right now, uh, you know, collecting from from most of the front, for a lot of the front range, you know, we're we're seeing a lot of folks who want to start. Um, but like what Kathy mentioned, is these these small businesses. They're not really sure about, you know, what what bags they're buying, if they're compostable or not, if if they're actually CMA or BPI certified. And so, um, while again, while this may seem like a step back to many, and I mean, I was definitely frustrated, you know, at first when, when this whole thing, when this reset came out, you know, Clinton, I've talked on the phone a lot. Like I was, I was like, Oh, why is this happening? But ultimately this is, this is for the greater good. And, um, this is, you know one of these things that we need to have in order to to have a a long term um, successful uh, composting industry so um, uh, i I think that um, many communities are are grappling this with this in in different ways, but um there's a statewide policy that ecocycles champion called truth and label uh compost labeling bill, and that will also help um, you know prevent certain um, you know, greenwashed fake compostable products from entering the stream. And so when it's time for A1 Organics and other compost manufacturers and other processors to start accepting these materials, you know, it'll be easier because these fraudulent non-compostable bags, non-compostable cups that just really create microplastics in a finished compost soil that no one wants to buy a compost soil that's filled with microplastics. Um, it'll actually make you know, ensure that, that those those materials aren't in that finished compost and that we can all, you know, want to complete the loop and use that that compost for regenerating soils in our community.
0: We do have a caller, and you can get on the, the call list as well. It's 303-442-4242. Up first is Jan in Denver. Good morning. Morning. What's your question?
5: Um, My questions, I have two, and they're a little bit nuanced. Uh, you had said no paper towel, but for some years now, I've been buying the brown paper towels that haven't been bleached. They're non flash to size. And I've been putting those in my compost. And the other question is um, I've been very careful if I have. Uh, cardboard boxes that don't have any printing or anything. They're just plain old cardboard boxes. I pull all the tape off and things like that that might pollute the system. And it seems like those would be a good thing to compose. I, uh, uh, I understand that, uh, that you would have to clearly date and people might be confused if you allow. Plain cardboard boxes, but anyway, those are my questions.
0: Thank you. Who wants to jump in on this first?
2: I, I can take it. A
3: cardboard box, and then
2: yeah. but, I'll uh, do the paper towel. <laughs> <laughs> um.
3: So when thinking about cardboard, unless it has been um, degraded by getting greasy or wet or what have you, um. What we want to remember is we want to keep materials at their highest and best use for as long as possible. So once you put a piece of cardboard in compost, and yes, you're right, it is compostable. um, It's going to be compost and then it's going to end its life. If you put that in your recycling bin, that cardboard can be recycled many, many times over. So it can be kept at a higher level of use. And I think that's what you really want to think about with cardboard. And then, of course, you made a very good practical point, uh, the um, uh, educational challenge, if you will, of trying to get people to understand that they would need to remove every piece of tape and every sticker and every label before it would actually be compostable is is really insurmountable so um keep it to its highest and best use send it to the recycling center and um there won't be any question of contamination of cardboard in the compost paper towels
2: good job And kathy thank you that's that was a really and, great explanation and,
0: and this is clinton sander of a1 organics answering the paper towel question yeah. yes
2: yes clinton sander a1 organics um so yeah, the, the paper towel, is it's a, similar, it's a similar conversation. Yes, brown paper towels that do not have any kind of synthetic plastic material that's incorporated into them to help them absorb water more or however they're being used do compost and they do work well at like absorbing the, the liquids within a, within a bag of other organic materials like fruits and vegetables. The challenge we face when you introduce those materials into the stream is additional contamination. What we call ride-alongs, other types of materials coming along that are, like we said, lookalikes, that aren't going to break down in our system, and that increases contamination. And I praise. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. Who's on the call? Her first name. Jen. Jen. So Jen, I, I mean, I, 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 I thank you for your commitment and for your your energy to make sure you're doing it right the challenge for A1 is we got to have, we have to have everybody doing the same thing at the same time to make sure that we're getting a clean stream. And so for us to reset the stream and simplify it, um, our goal is to try to really focus on that volume of valuable organic material. And we're not saying that someday we, like, we're not saying we're never going to allow these items back in in the stream. Someday down the future, when we have the right mechanisms, education and In place, everybody is on the same page, ready to go, and knows what put in there. Then maybe we we turn it back on for a specific item that we want to we want to focus our attention on to make sure we keep it out of the landfill. That that does bring some benefit to the compost pile, um, but it's going to be through a different path.
0: Great. Well, I want to bring Dan Mates into the the conversation as well. He's been waiting patiently. for a question. Uh EcoCycle has been doing quite a bit of outreach and, and public service announcements to to get people on board with this. Um we were talking about what bags are compostable and what are not. And I've seen some tips from EcoCycle uh pertaining specifically to this question. Can you share them with a the larger audience?
4: Well, I, I think that um What's important to keep in mind is that we don't have the, when we collect compost, um, you know, when you collect recycling recyclables, it goes to the Boulder County recycle recycling center. Um, you know, there's millions of dollars worth of sorting equipment that, um, separates that those material, different materials and removes contaminants. Uh, we don't have that with compost, uh. Anything that gets delivered to A1 is incorporated into a compost pile, and then the only opportunity to clean that up is at the very end when it goes through a screen. Uh, so what we're I think the important thing to keep in mind is what we're trying to do now is be able to identify right away when uh, when a truck dumps, does it look like it's all food and yard waste or is there other stuff in there and and the challenge with these materials that we've been encouraging people to re- to compost, uh, for the last 15 years is that, um, you know, it's, it brings more organic, but it also hides stuff that's not supposed to be in there. So, um, I think that the, 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 the simple tip is just food scraps and just yard and plant trimmings. Um, so, you know, we're. All the, all the, um, all the encouragement that we have been giving to, you know, to um, include your greasy pizza boxes and your coffee filters and your paper towels and napkins and shredded paper um, and your, and your certified compostable where um, we have to put that aside for right now, because we have a situation where we're not making good compost and it's, it's not, you know, it, if, if we're not making good compost, then then we're missing the whole point. So so this is a we're just backing up here to see if we can not to see to to get to the point where we are making good compost. So that's my that's my tip is is simply think about food scraps and yard and plant trimmings.
0: We are coming up on the top of the hour. So I need to let you know that you are listening to KGNU FM 88.5 Boulder. KGNU 1390 Denver. We are speaking with a panel of experts with composting. There's some new changes coming into effect this Saturday. My guests today are Clinton Sander of A1 Organics, Dan Mesh of EcoCycle, Kathy Carroll of Western Disposal Services, and Van Fussell of Compost Colorado. We are taking your calls at 303-442-4242. we're also taking your questions online at DJ at KGNU.org. We do have a question coming in through email. But first I wanted to just follow up on something briefly with Dan. I believe it was um, I believe it was Ecocycle where I saw this tip where if you don't want to get your kitchen scraps container kind of juicy and messy and gross, uh, if you have the space for it, you can put it into your freezer until the day that the compost gets picked up. So you're, there's not as much, um, I don't even know the technical term for it, but the the juice that comes out of it. So that is one tip that I saw, for example, coming through EcoCycle. Now I know that other areas, they they will recommend that you can forego the composting bag by lining your your bin with newspaper, but that is not encouraged in this case because it is not food scraps, nor is it plant waste. And Dan, you touched on the response to this question that's come on, come in via email, but I'm going to ask it again and let perhaps somebody else pick it up. Why did A1 Organics or EcoCycle ever say to put paper products, dirty pizza boxes, etc. into the waste stream when they cannot be handled?
4: Well, it, um, we're following, um, a national trend here, uh, that started with San Francisco, uh, around the turn of the century where, uh, 2000, um, where we were focused on, um, this zero waste um, viewpoints where we were, we're trying to get uh, as much of that 40% of the waste stream, that's organics diverted as possible. Um, and I think that it, it has been working, it has been working for 15 years. Um, the challenge where we are now is that, uh, I think there's, there's two, two parts to it, one is that we are, um, we've been very successful in, um, adding collection programs they're, you know, Boulder's collection program goes back to 2005, but, uh, there's a lot of other communities that are much newer to this. And I think that the collection program, uh, um, collection programs have, have, um, outpaced education, I would say. Uh, and the other piece of it is that, um, you know the the, the compostable ware that we have been advocating uh you know it's it's more expensive than than plastic uh the, you know similar plastic products um and i think there is manufacturers have seen an opportunity there to and and sometimes they don't they're not even they don't even understand what they're doing where you know they're they're creating a product that they're calling natural or green or whatever it is um and you know maybe it has some um it, it maybe it has a combination of of um natural ingredients in it but it also has plastic in it because that makes it cheaper um so they're not so i think what has happened is there's been this proliferation of very confusing products um out on the market and uh and a lot more people participating so i wouldn't say that it's been a failure i i think that nationwide i think we're i think we're a little bit ahead of the nation in that we have had collection programs for quite a while now um in that now we're um now we're bumping up to get to this point where um we're just seeing more contamination than uh, than we can handle with that screen at the end of the compost
0: i have a question somewhat in that vein before i go to another listener question and it, it... Touches on what you brought up, Dan, but I want to bring in uh, Clinton Sander of A One Organics and Van Fussell of Compost Colorado into this answer as well. And it has to do with things that you've mentioned, such as greenwashing, uh, compostable cups that end up putting microplastics into the soil. Are there standards for field disintegration, or or how is it? Are there any guardrails against false advertising, perhaps, where you're you're advertising something that's compostable, but it's really not. It has plastics. What is going on in that industry? Either one of you, Clinton or, or Van, please illuminate me.
1: Take it away, Clint. Well
2: yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, we do have a special guest that's on the call right now that has been brought into this conversation if he decides to come in. Um that that is a huge question you just asked. Um and, and, and honestly, there's ADSTM standards that have been put into place on a federal level to help set standards for compostability. And they like, there are compostables out there that are successful, that work, that do break down in the composting process. We're not saying that all compostables out there don't work. That's not what we're saying. There are ones out there that work, they're effective, they're tools. But what's happening is like Dan brought this up earlier too, where similar to the recycling industry that has millions of dollars invested in material recovery facilities to help organize these materials as they're coming in commingled into one bin so that then they can be separated out plastic, glass, cam, aluminum, and sent to the different manufacturers that are going to recycle those materials. In the composting stream, the organics recycling stream, we're co mingling all these different materials into one bin that comes to us currently at A1 Organics that is not being separated out. So the ultimate goal was okay, well, let's make sure everything in that bin will break down efficiently and compost efficiently to make quality, clean compost. That was the goal, that was the intent. And let's divert as much as we can because we know there's a lot of value. In keeping that organic material out of a landfill because of greenhouse gas avoidance. We don't want the greenhouse gases being put into our atmosphere. That's That's the big overwhelming goal. But as diversion has increased, like Dan mentioned, diversion programs have increased in Colorado. We've been very successful at getting more programs online. Education has taken a slip. And a lot of materials, like a good example is the wax on a butter stick hey can i put the wax paper on my butter stick into the compost bit? does that bring benefit to the finished compost at a compost manufacturer no it's we're, we're now using the composting process to treat or to process a wax piece of paper we really want the food we really want the green waste so when you're co all this and we don't have a way we have to we have to have the confidence That everything in that bin, everything in that truck that comes to us, it's truly going to break down in the the time we need. And that's what's not happening. We have too many things going into one bin. It's really hard for the public to figure out which is which, how, what works, what doesn't work. There's an influx in the industry of compostables wanting to replace single-use plastics. And like all of this is blowing up and it's getting bigger and bigger. And we're at the end of the stream. We're the one trying to, to manage it the best we can and handle it. In the beginning, like Dan said, when we started this 15 years ago, A1 was one of the, like, we're the partner. We stepped in saying, yeah, let's, let's, let's figure this out. Let's do it. And we had a lot of success in the beginning. But it's now we're at a point where it's really expanded. And we, and we're, and like the contamination has increased and has increased to a point where we have, we create an amazing finished product called compost that can be put back into Colorado soils local soils increase water retention do we need to recreate do we need to save water in Colorado 100% do we need to pull carbon out of our air in Colorado 100% can we put it back into the soil yes can we use compost to do it yes so that's like it, what's so important to remember is why are we doing this why are we s- trying to save the 40 percent of the organic material out of Colorado landfills and then reuse them their natural resources that can be turned into a finished product called compost put back locally into our soils save water pull carbon put biology back into our soils create better food like that's the why but if, if we if we if we if we take that all apart by throwing the wrong thing in the wrong bin or picking a compostable. Maybe that doesn't break down or trying to get all these organics, non-organics, non-traditional things all in there. It's taking that whole thing apart and it it, it puts now a one has a finished product that has small amounts of contamination in that we can't put back in the soil to retain water, pull down carbon. Like it defeats the whole, it's, it's just shutting the whole thing down. So it, it, there's so much amazing value in what we're doing, and the why is why it's so important. And I'll, I'll stop there because I get really excited. I'll pull back a little bit, but
1: yes, Van, if you'd like to speak to that, go ahead. Go ahead, Van. Well, well, thank you, Clint. I, I, I think your explanation was 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 spot on, and uh, you know everything you said is was was great. Um, you know this this point you make about the why, right? Why are we composting? Do we want to treat or process the wax paper around our butter sticks, right? As a great example. And, you know, as a community, we all want to have that feel-good feeling that when we're putting something in the right bin, especially here in Boulder County, we're like, oh, I want to feel good that I'm doing the right thing. Throwing this this thing that into the trash doesn't feel right. I want to be upset when I can't compost it. Well, think about, you know, if, if, when A1 Organic says that, you know, they want to process food waste, you know, because that makes high-quality compost, they're also saying, you know the microorganisms you know when we when we when we're making compost, those microorganisms, those worms, they want to eat bananas you know they don't want to eat wax paper around, around, a, around a piece of butter, right and so um, that's that's I think a, a really that brings us back to the real big picture here, which is like why are we doing this? are we doing this simply to divert waste from the landfill which is a very important part of the why you know we are trying to divert as much you know, resources from the landfill um, into into better uses uh, through through industrial composting um, processes. We can um, we can divert that and make a quality compost. What is important is if a, a municipality wants to pass a, a zero waste ordinance and and make it mandatory for for these materials to go into the stream um, and for compostable plastics, et cetera, to go into the stream. They need to be buying and procuring <clears throat> that finished product, right because that compost that compost product with you know processed paper towels, processed um, you know waxed paper, um, et cetera, it's not going to be as high of quality. yes, it still has a great use. Um, yes, it can still restore depleted soils, particularly along the, the sides of highways, et cetera um, but um, it's not going to be providing that that same um, that same level of value um, that a high premium decontaminated um, compost would provide. Um, you know, we, at, at another, you know, to touch on something Dan Mage also mentioned about, um, and this brings us back to big picture, you know, yes, col- collection programs throughout the Front Range are starting, are really outpacing um, education and know-how, um, which is, again, part of why we're all doing this this reset together. Um, they we're, we're you know, excited to have so much enthusiasm, you know, our, our, our company, um, you know, we're a public benefit company. We, we try to make composting as accessible, fun and inclusive as possible. And we really do want to try to encourage people to throw as many things that can compost into their bucket that they can. Um, just unfortunately, some of these materials are not actually going to be adding that, that great value and, and can have those ride alongs. Um, like we mentioned earlier, um, I would also like to note that um, there's, you know, we, we do want to launch these collection programs, right? We all want to divert this waste from the landfill. But if we're not thinking holistically in big picture, we're just pushing these big carts along on the street where anyone can throw anything in them. It's impossible. Okay, you accidentally threw something in your compost cart instead of your recycling cart. How can you climb into that 64-gallon container and take it out? Well, you can't. And then that gets taken into that big C D L style collection truck, and it gets taken to a waste transfer station. And as Dan Mach mentioned, you know there is unlike a recycling, unlike the recycling industry, there's not a um, there's not typical transfer MRFs, et cetera, that sort the material into the different components. Right. Instead, these materials get dumped um, at A1 Organics, and so part of the bigger picture, part of what we need to establish um, is more um, infrastructure, more diverse um, methods for community composting and um, anaerobic digestion and, and other solutions that, that all come together for for processing these these different materials. Um, and through smaller collection methods, you know through through weekly bucket collection, you know we're seeing that we're a lot it's a lot easier to to, to track to screen and prevent contamination at the household level. And when those materials can get added into, into our vehicles that are then, you know, taken to our transfer station, we can again, we can sort them again before we're, we we finally, you know, sending that material off to be processed or for some of that material to be processed in-house. And so ultimately when you're when you're able to to take care of the stream and have multiple touch points, um, you are able to have a much more clean and valuable uh, decontaminated uh compost stream, and that can enable uh, you to generate a much easier in-market market um, uh, that is going to have a high premium fungal based compost or different kinds of compost you can you can make from those different uh, from different streams and 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 it's much easier to find that in market um, and so again if if we're trying to treat if we're trying to accept, if, you know, all these different materials, you know, these municipalities, if they really want that, they really need to step up to the plate and say, I'm, gonna, I'm going to buy that, that compost back um, and, and, and use that, whether it's on a park or, or, a, or, you know, a school or, you know, along the sides of the highways. And, um, you know, there are a lot of different, you know, types of compost. Again, we're making very small batch, high premium compost right now. A one organics also makes a lot of different kinds of compost some of their compost is is like really high grade premium different feedstocks and some of theirs is the you know has has this stream from the municipalities that the municipalities you know really need to to um, take responsibility for and and use in their um along on al- public areas so and the last thing I do want to bring back this sh- I want to shout out to the truth and labeling bill ultimately will make this is a statewide policy that you can you know email your your state legislature and this is a really important policy right now that we should all be advocating for because it essentially you know helps us prevent these snake oil salesmen that are greenwashing their compostable you know quote unquote compostable materials and making sure that those are not entering the households entering these businesses where they get mixed into the stream and and get taken to these facilities to be to be uh, manufactured so We only want to be treating and composting actually compostable materials and not materials that are containing other harmful, you know, chemicals and materials.
0: Okay. Well, we have quite a few questions coming in, especially via email, but I'm going to go to the phones first to Wendy in Boulder, who has been patiently waiting. Wendy, what's your question?
3: Hi, thank you so much for this conversation. It's really helpful. Um, and I appreciate the change. And I think you can't say enough that it's a change, um, to just organic material and compost. My question is about tea bags. Um, can you put even the, the paper and tea part in and not the label, leave it all out?
0: What do you, what are you asking for? Clinton, you want to take that?
2: Yeah. Uh, no tea bags. At this moment, we're just, we're pulling back the stream and simplifying it down to food scraps. Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah. and the green waste, I'm sorry, the yard waste or yard trimmings. So as you can tell, I'm going to just say this real quick. A lot of you, we keep, I catch myself saying waste and I understand everybody in the world understands it's green waste and yard waste, but I'm trying to pull people away from the word waste. Because these are natural resources that the organics we're pulling out are natural resources. They really are, and that it's it's not a waste. So I, that's why I always catch myself with the word waste. But yeah, for the tea bags, we're just asking you to leave those out for now.
0: Okay, but for for tea bags, can you make it to where like you open up the bag and you know?
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to put what's the contents, the same thing with the coffee filter. I know it's inconvenient. Um, but yeah, if you just want to put or the coffee grounds in there, that's great. We appreciate that. Coffee grounds are great. But we're asking for just to not put any of those paper materials into the stream anymore.
0: Okay. Going to the email now, quite a few emails. Uh, are we? How are we supposed to... This one is from Steve, who is a longtime volunteer here, and he works a lot of the festivals that KGNU uh, participates in over the summer. His question is, how are we supposed to handle food waste greater than three gallons? KGNU does the Charles at Gold Hill. The event produces about fifty gallons of food waste. Again, this waste—you know, food scraps. How are we supposed to process this? That's the first half of his questions. Clinton, that's probably for that... you again. Yeah, <laughs> or, 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 for, or for Kathy.
2: Well, does any hauler want to answer that yeah, before I answer Kathy? that
0: one?
3: Yeah, you know, that's it's a great question, and it it is tricky. Um. A lot of our customers, not just zero waste event customers, but um, say commercial customers um, or institutions, they are actually still collecting the way the thank you, Clint, the scraps in the um in a, in a bag and tipping or emptying that bag into the container that's going to come to in in our case into our organics transfer station. You can still use a bag to collect it, but you need to go that extra step and empty it into the container sans bag.
0: Okay, so this, this is the second half of Steve's questions, and I think this is also for you. Kathy, is the sidewalk pickup going to be rejecting bins if they see something not on the list? How is Western sorting the, way, the scraps at the transfer station, and will trash prices
3: increase because of increased volume? Um, So on the residential side, um, Western Disposal uses an automated collection system. So we don't have a driver actually approaching the cart, lifting the lid and looking at the contents. So as a practical matter, we are unable to spot uh, contamination consistently at the point of generation, which is why it's so important. For our customers to really take this to heart and make the commitment to can um, um, be in their own inspectors, if you will, you you actually can look in your in your container and um, pull out material if you're if you're so inclined. Um, if it winds up at our facility, we are actually taking extra steps. Um, we first of all the um, the three gallon bag um uh, piece of it is actually pretty helpful to us because um, it it brings attention to what you're doing. If you've got a, if you've got a uh, container on your countertop, you've got a three-gallon bag, you secure that bag after it's full, you put it in, there's, you're not concealing contamination in that bag. So it, as opposed to having sort of a bigger bag that's in the, in the container that, you know, you're just putting stuff into. Um, it's it's more difficult to um, contaminate with the three gallon bag, but when it comes to our facility, um, the, the truck does get tipped, and um, the driver will look at the load and um, pick out obvious contamination. Then we also use a, a front end loader, um, and we kind of pull the pile out a little bit so that we can see and pull out additional um, contaminated material that we can visually observe. Um, But of course, that is not a foolproof process. Um, So again, I have to emphasize that it's really, really important to to put that attention at the point of generation. In terms of what may or may not happen to rates, it's, it's very difficult to predict at this point in time. We are uh, it seems like this has been going on forever, but it's actually rather new um the metrics of having more than one individual needing to inspect a pile is definitely added costs um tipping costs have gone up, so yes t- uh, costs have gone up, but at this point in time, um, we're focusing on getting the stream clean um and we will we'll have to see what that what that takes uh, in terms of costs and what that might mean to um to the consumers of the of the service,
0: okay, thank you, Kathy Carroll of Western Disposal Services. We have a caller on the line, Stephen in Louisville. What's your question?
6: uh good morning. um first, I wanted to know if it would be i thought think it would have been helpful to have someone uh, from the uh, compostable products industry, like some from people products involved in conversation, he left the fight and he saying, my I get a question is how this impacts, uh, commercial outlets, restaurants, um, coffee shop, um, I spent a amount of time working in commercial kitchens and, uh, bakeries, and, um, I was kind of had the reputation as the, uh, Comfort and, uh, recycle cop, uh, <laughs> Mutually annoyed, I couldn't with this, but uh, because even then, things were being thrown in compost and recycled that didn't belong there. So education was always the big problem. Uh, now, um, with the limit of a three-gallon bag, I don't see how commercial um, establishments are going to be able to participate in, in conferencing anymore. Even something simple in coffee shop, all those coffee filters that just go with the coffee grounds and the pop those, all that things go in the trash now. So how are commercial establishments to um comply with this or, or participate continue to participate in any kind of a program? Thank you.
0: Thank you. Who'd like to take that?
1: I can take a stab at that. Um you you've got some great concerns. Um and um thank you for calling in. We're actually just a few blocks away from um Eco Products um and uh we all work with 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 um folks from there on the Colorado Composting Council. Um they they do provide and they they are a, a great community partner. These compost some of these uh you know com, uh, compostable product manufacturers are, you know, coming to the table and and trying to work with us on solutions and we we do appreciate their their initiative um for that. Um, and and yes, I mean a lot of establishments have have invested heavily in these compostable products, right? We we had a call with um, uh, University uh, Metro in, in Denver, and you know they've bought tens of thousands of dollars worth of compostable products that they are no longer able to to use, um, which which is um, understandably very very frustrating. Um, and so um, we we we're all trying to work on this on this together. Um, as far as um, sort of retraining, and um, you know, we really appreciate Stephen you being the the compost champion at your workplace, and what uh really should be a a requirement for establishments to have a composting program is for a designated composting cheerleader or champion at at each workplace or environment, so that we know who's going to be who's going to be, you know, in their culture trying to help folks facilitate a a cleaner stream. Ultimately, these compost champions should, you know, be, you know, able to educate folks on how to, you know, adapt to the no, you know, larger than three gallon compostable bag at a, at a, we, you know, we collect from a lot of uh, huge restaurants that use 64 gallon bio bags. And, um, currently what we are doing as a vertically integrated hauler and, and is that we are able to, um, remove those bio bags dump dump the onto a sorting table and remove those bio bags prior to transfer and uh processing um and so those that way those establishments can continue business as usual um and and then those by those larger bio bags can be screened out it's a little bit harder for larger haulers um using cdl style trucks to to do that um and so um there again this kind of comes back to needing multiple solutions um to to combat this this um this unique situation um yeah thank you
4: hey shannon yes uh i know we're running short on time this is dan from ecocycle i just want to make a plug for that second r in reduce reuse recycle i think it's time uh that we are that we get serious about reuse. Uh, and I know that if you're in the in the restaurant industry or run an event, it seems ludicrous to think about uh, a world without single use um products for food. But you know, prior to the 1950s, uh there was no such thing. And we seemed to we we seemed to do just fine back then. So I think it's time to look at, you know, how can we, you know, even at events, even at like, I live in Lyons, um, uh, Planet Bluegrass does an awesome job reuse at their large festivals here. Um, and it's possible. So that's, uh, and, you know, we can live without bags too. You got to rinse out your bin every once once in a while. Um, so I just want to, uh, Remind folks that that reuse is an option that we need to, you know, you look at how many problems we have in the world that are are a result of single-use plastics. Time to stop.
0: Well, we are running out of time, and we got a flurry of questions right there at the end via email. So I would like to invite all of you back to to pick this up uh, at a later date, part two, because uh, as is often the case, the, the questions really roll in right at the very end. My guests today have been Clinton Sander of A1 Organics, Dan Mesh of EcoCycle, Kathy Carroll of Western Disposal Services, and Van Fussell of Compost Colorado. I want to thank all of you for being on the program. And if there's any one last thing that you have to say, please do so now.
4: Yeah,
2: I'll jump in real quick, Clinton. Um, so I, I just I want to thank the Colorado community. I want to thank all of our partners up and down the Colorado Front Range. We know this is a big change, and but this is a in a very big opportunity to divert more organics by really getting everything back in line, so that we 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 don't have to have uh, some changed compost that has contamination in. And 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 that's the other thing I want to reinforce too is the closed loop. This is a closed loop system. So we yeah. are generating an amazing product that needs to be brought back into Colorado soils. And, and and right now we have material that we're sitting on that we have to move or find a home with first before we can start moving forward in the other direction. So it's just really important to understand like when you, when you divert organic material, it's just not gone. It's actually turning into something incredible. And to support this entire system, is using the finished compost.
3: That's we're going really to have to remember. We're, we're
0: going to have to Sorry, leave I'll that stop. there. Thank you very much. It is now Thank time you, for the Morning Sound Alternative. I've had four guests on today: Clinton, Sander, Dan Mesh, Kathy Carroll, and Van Fussell. And I hope to be able to continue this conversation at a later date. You are listening to KGNU FM, eighty-eight point five, Boulder; KGNU thirteen ninety, Denver. This is a public affair. I've been your host, Shannon Young. I'm handing it over to Shauna Sprouse of the Morning Sound Alternative.